0: Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography.
1: And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four
0: years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions.
1: And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ.
0: We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing.
1: Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Supported Sobriety. I'm excited to share with you some more thoughts today Next time, I think I'll share um, more of an interview or like a, a conversation that I have with someone kind of back to the way things were before. But for today, I wanted to share a little bit of something that I've discussed with a lot of people that I sponsor recently, and that is game plans. And I'll talk more about what that means. But before I get into that, I just wanted to say that in-person meetings uh, may become more common going forward as we kind of get out of this pandemic as the CDC releases different guidelines. Um, we just got a, a text today saying that Katie and I are going to return to doing an in-person meeting this week. This Sunday it's a couples meeting and we're super excited to do that. Um, so just wanted to let you know to check out ARP or actually it's check out Org for more information and That some of your meetings may be opening up to in-person. I know that some of you already are going back to in-person meetings um, depending on where you're at, so I wanted to give you that heads up. So, diving into the topic that I want to talk about today, game plans. What do I mean by that? What is a game plan? To me, a game plan is a playbook of what to do in different scenarios. Game plans make it so that decisions are made in advance with limited emotion and compulsive sway, and in accordance with your greatest interests in mind, rather than in the heat of the moment. So basically, you make decisions in advance so that you don't have to in the moment. And I've heard it said a lot in the church to decide one time that you'll never do something so you don't have to decide again and again. And for a lot of us stuck in addiction, that's hard to kind of apply just because we've already, like, fallen into our addiction. So we can't say, I'm going to decide to never look at pornography. But we can say, when I'm in a situation where I'm alone, I am never going to have access to the internet or I'm never going to be alone in the sense that I will text a support person before I'm completely alone and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Today I want to talk about two sets of game plans specifically. One of them I poached from a book and I'll talk more about that and the other one I've kind of come up on with on my own Um, seeing the different problems that people go through as they struggle to find true recovery. So the first one is day-to-day recovery and a game plan for how to achieve that, and the second one is for post-relapse recovery, meaning what you do after you have a relapse. So starting off with day-to-day recovery, I think it's helpful in discussing game plans to break recovery up into three segments and Quick disclaimer, I know that recovery is not as simple as I'm about to make it, but it is useful, for me at least, to look at this and say, this is how recovery breaks up. So the first part of recovery is the initial breakaway when you may be slipping up very frequently. You um, just started going to meetings, you just decided, you know, I really want to beat this thing, you're taking a a stab at the steps, you maybe have some sort of a sponsor, you've told, you know, people in your life you're meeting with the bishop, something like that. And it's really hard because at that time, you don't have a lot of the skills that you develop over time, and so you're still relapsing pretty frequently. And it's kind of a a time where, you know, you need things like filters, you need things like limited internet access, stuff like that, so that you can find any sort of recovery. I think the second segment is when you find a little bit smoother waters, where you're having relapses infrequently enough that you can find... Kind of some increased um, sense of the spirit, increased like clarity of mind, stuff like that. Where you're relapsing, maybe weekly, maybe like once a month. Just there's some time in between relapses, um, but they are still somewhat frequent. And then there, the third segment is the longer periods of sobriety, where your biggest enemy is complacency. Um, You go, you know, maybe two, three weeks, and that's like, then you have a relapse and you're like, well, what the heck just happened? And then you go like, you know, a month and then you have a relapse. And it's just because you stopped doing your dailies or you, you know, stopped being really intense about your recovery. And this happens to even like people like me, like I will go through, I have been sober from my addiction for almost 27 months now. And there are times when I will find myself doing things that tell me that like I'm getting complacent or I'm kind of like falling down and I really have to pick myself back up. So the th- those are the three segments, kind of the frequent in the beginning to to more infrequent towards the end. The reason I bring that up is because I feel like this um, game plan that I'm about to describe to you is very helpful in every segment, but specifically in the first two, really in the very first one of getting kind of out of um, those those relapses that happen daily, weekly um, more frequently and that are really hard to overcome. So a book that was helpful to me in my recovery was called Treating Pornography Addiction, The Essential Tools for Recovery. And it's written by Dr. Kevin B. Skinner. I believe he is a professor at BYU. And my wife, um, actually got this book, taking an addiction recovery class as a part of her major, which was so helpful to us and like, couldn't have come at a better time for us. Honestly, it was, uh, it was huge. So in this book, It talks about something that they call a reaction sequence and this is where the game plan comes into play. But I'm going to read to you the reaction sequence for an addiction and I feel like this will help you understand more about yourself and also probably feel like, wow, I'm more normal than I even thought. So what happens is there's a vulnerable time when you're feeling tired, bored, alone, or you have access to the internet. Then there's some sort of a stimulus, maybe a triggering event, maybe something you saw, something that you thought, a memory you had, and then you have one of the following thoughts. You think, maybe I should go online. You think, I won't look at anything bad, or I can't resist, or it's been a long time. Then you start to feel emotions. There's a challenge, there's some excitement, anticipation, you have a jittery feeling, And then comes the chemical release, where your brain releases chemicals that make you feel excited and feel sort of a high. Then comes the rush, and your body starts reacting. Sometimes you can break out into a sweat, become very tense, or have an increased heart rate. Those are things that I don't know if I noticed in the moment, like as I was really going through my addiction, but now if I go sort of too far on something and I notice my heart like going up in rate, that's when I'm reminded how powerful like my compulsion and my addiction to pornography is. Um, so that's something to kind of be aware of. So your body reacts, and then you have um, some more thoughts like, turn it off, walk away, and then this is the last time ever, or I can't stop this now, or finally, it's too late. Then you have one of the following beliefs, potentially, it's not really that bad, or a lot of people are worse, or it's my weakness. What can I do? Followed by you acting out in your behavior, um, which would be viewing pornography or um, masturbating or something like that. Followed by remorse. So that's a typical addiction cycle um, and kind of addiction sequence, I guess. And the cycle, I would say, is it just repeats. Um, you know, the next time, however far apart that is, and so. The key is to create a game plan, and again, this is straight out of this book um, with some insights from my experience in overcoming addiction and in sponsoring people, but the key is that portion of the sequence when you had a chemical release, which that's when you start to feel the high from it and your body starts reacting, that is the place where it's nearly impossible to say no to your addiction. And there will be times when you have to say no to your addiction in those places. But I think the key, the key in true recovery is beating this thing before the chemicals are released. So earlier when it's a vulnerable time, having a game plan for what to do there. Earlier when you start to feel that very first stimulus, something triggers you, have a game plan for what to do in that situation. When you start to have a thought of, oh, maybe I should do this. Have a game plan for what to do in that scenario. So when you're in a vulnerable situation, I'll start there. Say you're um, tired and when you're tired, that's when you act out. Have a plan for what to do when you're tired. So what I would do is I would write down all the situations that are vulnerable circumstances. For me, it was when Katie was gone and I was completely alone at home it was during like finals or really stressful periods. So like um, loneliness, stress, and then boredom when I was really bored, Um, which usually came more in the form of I I was studying all day and it was so boring. And so it was kind of like intermingled with stress. But those were vulnerable times for me. And so what I did is I wrote down those three things. And I said, these are the situations where it's vulnerable when I'm home alone. And then I wrote, what am I gonna do when I'm home alone? And to briefly read from some of what I wrote early in my recovery, um, I basically, when I was home alone, I would text my sponsor and say, hey, I'm home alone. It's a vulnerable time for me. I'll let you know if something happens. And that seems insignificant, but A, it puts me in a mental state where I'm saying, okay, I am need to be aware. And for some people, maybe that's like triggering because um, you're focusing so much on your addiction. For me, it was putting me in a heightened state of awareness of so saying, if anything remotely triggering happens, like I need to act on it really fast. And so the other thing that it does is it made it broke down a barrier. That is a key and um, a pattern that I kind of want to bring up more in this episode. But you, you need to break down the barriers that make it hard for you to reach out, get help, and avoid your addiction. And so it broke down a barrier because when I felt triggered or felt like I needed to like get help, I didn't have to think, Oh man, what should I like tell my sponsor? Should I like text him and explain the whole situation or just say I'm feeling triggered? Like, what is like, I don't need to do any of that. I can just text my sponsor and say feeling triggered. And he knows that I'm home alone. And now he knows that I'm feeling triggered. And then I can, you know, follow up by saying, let's do a phone call or a text or like, I'm going to leave or like, what's your advice. But like I don't have to explain it to him beyond texting my sponsor I made sure that I didn't have any easy access to be able to act out on my addiction things such as my wife's computer was locked my phone didn't have great access to the internet stuff like that Um, in addition if it were possible I would go to a public place so like if I was in college and my wife left to go to class I would maybe just go with her and study at school Um, Something like that to just to make it so that when I'm in a vulnerable situation, I have a game plan so that I'm not actually as vulnerable in that situation anymore. And so I would go through and say, you know, if I'm studying and I'm stressed out, what's my game plan? And if I'm feeling like vulnerable in this way or this situation. So those are kind of the situational game plans. Um, The next game plan is going to come from like a stimulus or like some sort of situation more so like if you have, if you see something triggering on a TV show or um, if you think of something triggering something like that, prepare a game plan for what to do in that situation. Um, if if it's not like a specific event that's triggering, but if you realize, wow, like I am feeling kind of like, I think another situation that was big for me was I would just, things would build up over time and I would just kind of get like an itch that like I just needed to act out my addiction. Like I just, I wanted it. And so what to do in that situation, make it really easy to tell your sponsor, like, this is the situation that I'm having, such as like, I, things just have built up and I just feel like I really need to act out. I'm not really stressed. I'm not bored. I'm not vulnerable. I just feel like the next time I'm alone, like I'm going to act out. I'm just like really weak to my addiction. And they explain kind of that situation to your sponsor in advance. So that then you can just be like, I'm in that situation now. And this is what I need and make a game plan. Um, One of the really helpful things to do when you're in a situation like that is to reset yourself. What I mean by that, and this is a super powerful tool, but what I mean by that is that you reset yourself and reset those lingering thoughts, those emotions, those feelings that you have, and get yourself sort of back to step zero. So if you are feeling like things have just been building up for days and days and days, or if you're just like, you saw something triggering, or if you're in a situation, a game plan could be, when I feel like this, I am going to take a nap. For me, like taking a nap or like going to sleep for the night, those were super helpful. I would wake up in the morning and just feel amazing, feel like I'm not you know, tempted, not triggered anymore. It was a great reset for me. Another thing that was huge for me would be working out. If I was feeling just really like, tempted or triggered, or I was like studying for finals, and I just knew, like, if I just kept studying, I was going to, like, act out my addiction. I would just go work out, you know, and it doesn't need to be long. It could be 15 minutes, 30 minutes. Sometimes for me, going to the gym was, like, big because it was, like, out of my, like, zone that I was in. Um, but just, like, getting that workout in, like, getting those like endorphins and those hormones going where you're feeling, like, amazing, that's super key. It's also, I feel like exercise is a big factor in overcoming addiction generally it's it's healthy for you it makes you feel good and um it like kind of retrains your body of like healthy feelings and emotions to have going to a meeting having a discussion with someone going to the temple things like that can be great resets maybe saying like a prayer reading your scriptures just like anything that you can do to reset yourself and make those triggering like feelings kind of go away i think that's a super powerful game plan so the effect of game plans is that before things get difficult, you can make the important decisions so that when things get hard, you have an easy way to reach out to a support person or do something that's going to reset yourself and put you on a path towards recovery. So I hope that made sense of how to apply a game plan in your recovery. When when you are faced with a situation, and my guess would be that there are only a few situations that you really face with meaning, you know, boredom is a huge trigger for you or stress is a huge trigger for you or, you know, these situations are big triggers for you. Um, when you're faced with those, that you have more of a plan and that will make your recovery a lot easier. The second game plan that I wanted to talk about has to do with how you react to having some kind of a relapse or a slip-up or a close call. And I won't go in detail in this episode in defining those, but um, but kind of briefly for me, the way that I kind of look at those is a relapse, a, a full-blown acting out in your addiction. Um, I see a slip up as potentially the same thing, maybe like on a smaller scale. And then like a close call would be, you know, you were feeling really tempted and you started searching and then you decided like, no, I'm not going to do this. But like, you know, you were, it was, clo- it was a close call. And I think any of those situations or any time that you get close to acting out or do act out in your addiction I think that highlights a time where you can learn from your mistakes. So, the purpose of this kind of a game plan, a post-relapse review, is to create a process for reflection and progression after an instance of giving into addiction. So take a negative experience and use it as a learning experience to recognize that you made a mistake and that you're ironing out the flaws. Don't let that make you complacent though. So you want to learn from your relapses, but you don't want to say, "Oh, if I have a relapse, it's a learning experience, and you know we'll get through it." You you want it to be, "I genuinely made a mistake, and now I'm going to learn from it." And there's some you know humility there from recognizing that you're human and that you need to rely more on on the Lord. You need to rely more on um, your support people and less on yourself. I think it's important here as well to go back to the periods of recovery that I first talked about at the beginning of this episode and note that I believe that a post-relapse review is the most helpful in the last two stages. So the first stage where you're having really frequent relapses, the second stage less common, and the third stage is they're almost non-existent. The reason I say that I think the the second two stages will benefit most from this type of um, situation is because those are the situations where you're really ironing out the, the flaws, the wrinkles, and finding all the kinks in your recovery. When you're relapsing, you know, two, three times a week, it's hard to look at each relapse and be like, how is this different than the last one? It is pretty much the same. But as, you, as they get further apart and, and you are going weeks or months between them, you can say, okay, like, I have been doing really well, but these two nuts need to be tightened. And I wasn't doing this and I need to do this now. For instance, if you have a really great system of recovery where every day you visualize your day and you say, this is how things need to go today in order for me to overcome my addiction, but you put it off for like a week and you don't really do it and then you relapse and you look back and you're like, what led up to this? That's a great time to say, "You know, I either need to make it easier to do that visualization, I either need to do it, um, I, I need to like give myself more time to do it, you know, find some way to tighten up that bolt. But part of the reflection process that I feel like is really important is giving yourself questions to ask after you have had a relapse or um, some sort of a close call. The reason I think that this is important and the reason I think it's important to write them down and have specific questions is, again, to make it easier on yourself so what you don't want to do is after you have a relapse, you're you're already feeling bad, it's already a tough situation. You don't want to dig it in deeper by saying, okay, how do I learn from this? And it's too vague, it's too abstract for you to really discover what you need to discover. So come up with some questions to ask yourself so that things can become a lot easier for you after the relapse. So for instance... I would ask myself the following questions and these are some of the questions that I recommend to people that I sponsor. What events large and small led up to this relapse? The reason I say large and small is because if there's a big event like something was really triggering and then you didn't deal with it and you relapsed like you know two hours later that'd be like kind of a big event for me or if if you're having a disagreement with your wife and you're feeling just really alone and then you relapse like those are sort of the larger events but sometimes i feel like the smaller events are more telling of your real situation in recovery so for instance if over the last week you were lonely for a few days and you didn't deal with those emotions and you started to linger on pictures and more things came up and you didn't deal with it and reset yourself and get out of your self and talk to someone about it and those things built up over time and eventually led to a relapse, those would be small events that I would say actually led up to your relapse and would be huge for you in the future to say, okay, this is what it felt like. This is what the situation was like. In the future, this is what I'm going to do. The next question I would say um, that would be good to ask is, what could I have done to avoid this? So looking back on on your experiences, Is there anything that you could have done to avoid it? And it's hard to say exactly and like for sure this is what I could have done to avoid it. But it is it really powerful to say maybe if I had reached out to my sponsor when I was in the argument with my wife, that would have been super helpful. Maybe if I was able to say, yeah, I have every reason to relapse right now, but I'm not going to because this is the course I'm on. You know, something like that. Or I should have reset myself after I had that experience. And I shouldn't have let it go on. You know, like at night, in step 10, we learn, and other steps as well, to really be accountable, especially in the evening before you go to bed, um, either through journaling, reaching out to a sponsor, or just with yourself and reset yourself. So I think it's really important to look back and say, what could I have done to avoid this? Um, The next question I would ask is, what can I do better next time? So, coming up with a system, maybe you add to your game plan, maybe you make a better system, you add some filters to your your phone, you make it so that you're not going to be alone, something like that. Um, the final question I would ask is, were there any indications that this was imminent? Meaning, is there anything in the future that I can look to or recognize a feeling and avoid having a relapse? For me, personally, I have learned that when I feel kind of that rush or that excitement around a picture or something that I see that's inappropriate instead of feeling oh man I should look at this I have like rewired my brain and been able to develop a new pattern where when I see that I immediately know this is not a path that I'm going to go down because there's nothing down here for me and it's really easy for me then to turn away and so I think it's, it's really important for you to say, you know, what indications were there that I was going to relapse? Was I starting to feel excited? Was I like thinking about things, stuff like that? And know in the future when I feel that or when that happens or when this event in my life comes to pass or whatever, I am going to take whatever step to avoid that. So those are some of the questions I would ask myself in the situation where I've just had a relapse, and I I cannot stress how important this is and how important it is to, in advance, come up with this list. You're not giving yourself permission to relapse, but you are saying, when I make mistakes, because you will make mistakes, it may not be a relapse, but you will make mistakes, I am going to review it and progress from it. You don't need to ask those specific questions that I've just said. Come up with some that really ring true to you. But I, I believe in the power of asking questions and having a game plan. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and the content here of just having a plan and having a system in place for you to be able to not have to deal with those really difficult situations when they come and having a plan of how to act. You're not taking your agency out of your situations you're making it so that you're not constantly fighting on the front lines you're not fighting in the heat of the battle you're able to do it in advance you're fighting this addiction smarter rather than harder so that concludes this episode guys i appreciate you listening today and i look forward to talking to you in the future
1: thank you so much for listening we would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know
0: For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We
1: encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com.
0: We are always looking for more guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.